The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and Daily Antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. It is Friday. It's finally Friday. It's August 25th. And today is national. You ready for this, Rico? It's National Banana Split Day. Oh, uh, you, yeah. You're ready to split some bananas uh, today, Jason. Uh, yep, yep, yep. It's also, it's also for all my friends that like the Goodwill and the Salvation Army and everything else like that. It's also National Secondhand Wardrobe Day, along with National Park Service Founders Day. And hold on, hold on. These are the best two. These are the best two. It's also National Kiss and Makeup Day on top of being National Whiskey Sour Day. Two things to go hand in hand, a kiss and makeup along with a whiskey sour, and you should be winning today. Yes, and it's Friday, Dr. Talleyrand, so we can implement the crossfade. So thank you for joining us and getting high at night with us. So high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live at the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, and uh, eventually we'll be audio only on Twitter spaces. But today... Today is not the day because obviously President Trump has taken up all the bandwidth on Twitter today. But nonetheless, we are going to kick it off with the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lameet, the professional flip flopper, the professional backstroker, and of course, the professional backpedaler. That's right. It is the dope dad himself, Mr. Rico Lameet. No, no one heard your applause. Jason, no, one, no one heard your applause button. Nobody heard yeah, it. <laughs> no, 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 no one heard it. We don't hear it. It's all right. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Anytime. Thanks. Either way, I appreciate you. And you know what? Today we're gonna we're gonna bring it right back. Right back to the opposite of LA. New York. Where they said it would be different, Jason. They said that they were smarter. They actually know how to run a business and actually will learn from the other markets' mistakes. Uh, they kind of said it would be like LA with an MBA. But now, after nearly three full quarters in operations, independent analysts are calling for New York City's legal cannabis market to generate $1.2 billion in sales, $47 million in tax revenue after the year 2030. 
<laughs> About time uh, Donald Trump will get out of jail, right? But um, a brutal in-depth analysis released yesterday by the New York City Independent Budget Office uh, blames the Big Apple's stunted growth on a slow rollout of dispensaries by regulators and poor policy by local legislators. No surprises there. Uh, speaking to the New York Post upon its release, IBO Director Louisa Shafee said this. The rollout of the legal cannabis market has been slowed, however, the se uh, by several challenges. Illicit sales by unlicensed businesses sitting in funding, citing in funding issues for dispensary owners and multiple lawsuits that have halted market growth in its tracks. As a result, the specific timeline for market uh, maturation is unclear. It is exciting to contemplate a new source of revenue from the legal cannabis sales, but it's also important to take a realistic look at when and whether New York can count on this fiscal boost. Just 23 licensed retail stores have opened in the last, uh, opened in the state, nine in uh, the city's five boroughs. Uh, the city takes 4% cannabis excise, take, uh, excise tax on each sale. The state collects 9% excise tax uh, plus a potency tax on distribution. So per the report, IBO sales and tax revenue estimates are based on scenarios on how many licensed operators um, open each year and the ongoing impact of the illicit market. It predicts by 2027, the city will collect 38 million in revenue based on 950 million in sales. Growth possible only if an average of 24 shops open per year with each store making an average of 8.1 million in annual sales. The IBO concluded by saying it believes the New York market realistically won't be fully functional until 2030. And if the current slow mar uh, market growth pattern continues, it won't reach 950 million in annual sales until after that date. To formulate projected sales uh, for New York IBO, uh, the New York IBO uh, reviewed sales and revenue from established legal markets in California, Colorado, Massachusetts, Oregon, and Washington State, all with more than five years under their belt. Uh, although California raked in a reported $2.5 its first legal year of sales, uh, numbers were sketchily hard to find for a city-to-city -city breakdown. I asked Jason about that earlier, but um, I was searching everywhere, man. I can't find <laughs> L.A. segregated. So I won't be able to make a, a direct comparison of NYC versus L.A. But, um, but at the end of July, 241 out of 463 cannabis retail dispensary licenses have been awarded uh, to dealers in the five boroughs, uh, or 52%. By 2030, IBO predicts a market of New York scale would yield between 33 and 47 million in annual city revenue. Despite slow legal sales, New York City's still considered the largest consumer of market, um, uh, large, largest consumer of cannabis of any market in the global community, consuming a reported 62.3 uh, metric tons of cannabis yearly, a figure that breaks down to about 62 million grams or 6.9 a year consumed by each of the city's residents. So at least there you got that going for him. Uh, interesting analysis here done by the IBO. We all know that in New York struggling uh, like the rest of us are, uh, have. Um, and we hope that we get this shit together sooner rather than later. But I don't know if I agree with their projection of just 24 shops opening yearly until 2030. But that's just me. Um, I, I want to know what you guys think. I'm Rico Lemieux, the dopest dad on the street. Um, is this IBO analysis spot on or is it way off the market? What do you think, Jason? 
Well, I mean, in reality, I think that they did take a fair approach just due to the fact that they said they're not going to get to the billion-dollar threshold for until, like, 2030, and that's going to be, like, seven or eight years from now um, until they actually have that kind of data. So I think that, like, they actually took a measured approach, which is what New York should have did with their whole rollout and saying, hey, we don't think we're going to get to this number. And just based off of their, uh, their rollout so far, they probably won't even hit those numbers by 2030. Missouri did is doing a billion right now. And Missouri doesn't have a holdup on licensure issuances on all of this BS. And it doesn't have a thriving trap yeah. market like what New York has either. You don't think that they're going to be able to do it by 2030? You don't think they're going to be able to do a billion nope. until then? Nope. I don't even think they're going to be able to do a billion by 2030. Because the, the, the trap market is going to be too rampant. People are going to be spending, buying all their weed with cryptocurrency by, by 2030. So they're not even going to have a way to track this thing with actual dollars and cents anymore. Interesting. What do the rest of you guys think? I, I see, Yaro, you're on mute. Go ahead, buddy. I see you. I'm getting yeah. chomping at the bit. Yeah. You know, uh, out of the last 24 months, I spent 18 of it running at new retail dispensary locations in 15 states for a company. And um, there was frothy exuberance uh, for the New York market. And there was this lofty projection about the number of retail stores that would be opened. And I think any of us who had even more than a minute of experience in other markets knew that permitting all the justice involved and getting all the cultivation kicked off and then sort of doing the retail afterwards was a recipe for having a supply chain uh, bottleneck and and not having enough retail to support production and not having enough retail to support production is is something that we've seen in california we continue to see in california and so i it wasn't surprising to me that they didn't get many open this notion of opening 24 doors a year like that's a preschool grade goal okay new york is a very capable city it's not just that it consumes a bunch of cannabis but that it's you know the financial epicenter of the world they do a lot of things when they set their mind to it are they really that capable though are they really that capable though yarrow Look, I, I, I will never I will never bet against New York, the tenacity of New York, the culture of New York, the people of New York or the will of New York. And so it, it, to open 24 stores as a goal, clearly they're ratcheting down the expectation and trying to tether people's, you know, sort of expectation of moving forward to something that's, you know, uh, 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 well, I'll agree with you. I can agree They're building in some dysfunction here, right? 24 doors a year is nothing, especially if there's this tax revenue they're already realizing. If you just put that tax revenue back into supporting the growth and trajectory of opening up those regulated stores, 24 feels pretty pretty piss poor to me. I know that they consume a lot of cannabis because that's why there's like a hot dog stand on every corner because everybody's just got the munchies. And so I definitely want to make sure that we've got this regulated space out there. My problem is just that New York came in full of hubris thinking they were going to do it right and better and then stepped on the same darn banana peel that everybody else did and then is scratching their head wondering why it hurt so bad when they slipped and fell on their backbone. You know the one part of of your whole thing that I probably agree the most on? The ratchet, the ratchetness in New York. That's the part that I agree on. Is yeah, the ratchetness in New York, New York. York does have some great A ratchets. Yes, they do it have does. Some oh man, that's a great training bed for ratchetness <laughs> out there. Just the other thing, I just, I gotta go on record as saying I think these potency taxes are very, very uh, Those are dangerous. Trouble. Yeah, they're troublesome. 
hundred percent. And the reason why is they're they're taking that from the alcohol model. Well, in alcohol, if your Cabernet comes in at twenty two percent, you can run it through a re- reverse osmosis and bring the alcohol content down because your 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 booze is taxed based on the alcohol percentage. But you can't run your flour through some machine and just take a few little trichomes off the top. And so. It- Farmers don't have control. I mean, I mean, I yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Are they, Yaro, are they just opening you can, you themselves can, up to, to, to lab shopping? Yara, you can are keep they just, your are weed. They reverse lab shopping? You can keep your weed and get all those trichomes. <laughs> so I don't like the idea of penalizing a farmer for hitting it out of the park when they get a really great high-potency round and the amount of fluctuation in, in potency round per round. How would you ever build that into a business model? Well, I might get taxed if I get to above this and above that. And I also just don't think that it 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 it, it uh it prioritizes people who are taking cannabis for for medical purposes and some of them need very high potency uh um flower other form factors and I just don't like this idea of taxing based on potency. I I, I totally agree with you. I think it's a totally misnomer to 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 tax based off based off potency and I really want to hear what Dr. Talleyrand has to say in this but municipalities that do that are just ultimately setting themselves up for failure and only adding to the illicit market sales that's happening in their jurisdiction. I agree. I think the assumption that uh toxicity happens at higher dose products it doesn't make sense. First of all, toxicity is different between alcohol and cannabis, which is THC. Um, it's not the more THC, the higher chance of an adverse, um, of, of a serious adverse event, you know, like in alcohol where you, you can pass out. Uh, it's usually people titrate their dose, that's why they smoke. So. You, you smoke less because your plant is more concentrated or you smoke more because your plant is more concentrated. Mm-hmm. It's not really about the, the level of THC. So it doesn't make sense to tax um, on that. It's just another regulation that uh, they're adding in without really studying or understanding the plant very much at all. Well, yeah, and at the same time, too, Dr. Talleyrand, doesn't it just not make any sense just from the fact that your body can only absorb so much THC anyway? So purchasing these products based off the antiquated THC number really doesn't make sense because your body can only absorb so much THC at the same time anyway. It's like a sponge. You know what I mean? Like a sponge can only soak up so much water yeah. until it's full. And it's the, the body works the same way with that as far as THC is uh, concerned, from my understanding. Yep. I've never seen that. I don't. I don't know if there's a maximal amount. Uh, although they have tested folks, you know, putting THC in through IV to really get high levels uh, in your bloodstream. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Got a problem when you're slamming THC? Yeah, well, I will get you to the Betty Ford Clinic if you can't be content with a blunt. Then there's definitely a cry for help in there. I, 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 I'm down with that. Oh, I'm, yeah. da- I'm down mainline to mainline some THC. I'm with that. Maybe you got Dr. T, can you set up a thing and like put it through my toes? You know what I'm saying? Kind of thing. <laughs> you know, well, you know what I've noticed is that it's not all about the THC. So if we gave you straight THC, you you might want to still smoke your joint because um, you're not used to just THC. You're used to THC and the minor cannabinoids and the terpenes. Mm-hmm. Um, we found that I, you know, prescribing Marinol, which is just THC compared to smoking a joint very or eating an edible, very different experiences. Why is that? Because there's, there's more than just THC in the plant. What would happen if you mainline some uh, THCA? 
It would be non it would be non-psychotropic because it hadn't been decarboxylized and actually ingesting it would have a uh, uh, more medical effects than uh woo effects, right, doctor? Hey, Je- Correct, more of an anti-inflammatory effect. Jesse, do you know how to do it set up a poll? Let's set up a poll cuz I want to know what what everyone thinks about this. Dr. Talleyrand posed an interesting question earlier in in the chat and said, "Is a crossfade also considered a crossfade if you eat an edible and smoke some weed?" Is that a Ooh. crossfade? Is that considered a crossfade? I also, I think I I I'm, call it a south, it's a south side fade right there. South, south side fade. fade is that what that is? Not not I, like a not like a, fade. not like a high top fade. It comes like up here. What about a high yeah. top fade? It's like high ball fade. I, I got a high top fade right now. You know what I'm, saying? Um, I'm Ooh, sure. Yeah, balls, look at that. Right look at like <laughs> looking looking like kid a kid in play over here. In play, that's right. Yeah. That's back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, eraser head. Hey, eraser head. Get over here. <laughs> Kid, oh, man. That's a great, 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 uh, great call back, man. Yeah. I know you had that one in you, man. Oh, big, shout out, big shout out to Kid and Play. Yeah. Shout out to Eraser. Are they still head. in the industry? I mean, they're, they're, still, a, um, they're still around. I still see. Still in the industry? I still see. I still see Kid uh, around the neighborhood in, in West Hollywood at all uh, the different bars and whatnot from time to time. So, yeah, I'm going to say yes. Mm. So they're in their 16th minute of fame. <laughs> whatever however you want to call it whatever you want to call it we're, legends man yeah we're gonna they're we're gonna keep it rolling we gotta hit a commercial and we're gonna be right back how's it going guys saman razani coming to you from green street here with jason beck smoking on the best weed in the world did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on apple google amazon iHeartRadio, and spotify tune in now and check it out Up next, he is the longest continuously operating retailer in the game. And I guarantee right now he has a fresh, I said it, fresh portrait right behind his desk of Fulton County Jail's Oh yeah, Bro, he even got posted on Mugshot Shorties, okay? First dude I ever saw posted on Mugshot Shorties, okay? Straight up. I've never bought an NFT, but I'm trying to buy that one. (laughs) This is me. Big shout out to Jason Beck. What you got for us today, my man? Oh, yeah. Good morning, you guys. Happy, happy Friday, man. We finally made it. I have a very interesting story. We're going to keep it keep it in the flair of New York because there was there was there was, there was some adjudication yesterday for some people because the New York names the 30 dispensaries that are going to be allowed to open and the 410 others are basically up Shit's Creek without a paddle. What you think about that, Rico? Access to adult use cannabis hasn't come swiftly in the New York state and now only 30 more dispensary licenses are able to launch their retail businesses under an injunction in the state's Albany Court Supreme Court. Another 410 approved retail applicants are left high and dry in the interim and this interruption is is interruption to an already sluggish program rollout stems from a lawsuit filed on August 2nd by four service disabled veterans who argue that the New York Office of Cannabis Management, the OCM, violated the cannabis law, the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act, better known as the MRTA, in its exclusion of licensing opportunities to them and other groups. Five days later, on August 7th, State Supreme Court Judge Kevin Bryant issued a preliminary injunction blocking the OCM state regulators from awarding more licenses or or approving dispensary openings for those hoping to stand up their businesses. 
This meant 440 of the 463 conditional adult use retail dispensary curd licensees awarded to social equity applicants since late 2022 had their grand openings put on hold, or you could call it put on ice. But the other 23 curd licenses have already opened their retail operations since the state's first launched commercial sales and nearly nine months ago. Nine months, they've only opened 23 stores. All right, put the, do some math on that, Rico, for your billion-dollar valuation in New York. That's 23 businesses, 18 dispensaries, and five delivery operators tasked with fending off the illicit market and serving the demand for legal cannabis in a state of roughly 19 and a half million people. Oh, my God. They made these guys look like pawns on the battlefield. However, following an initial hearing, Brian announced August 18th an exemption in the temporary restraining order for the current awardees who would demonstrate irreparable economic losses to their investments and who met the requirements for licensing, including but not limited to the site plan approval for the OCM's Cannabis Control Board and and were applicable from local uh, municipalities prior to the August 7th injunction. And quote, this court has provided a process whereby individual licensees can establish that they should be exempt from the injunction based upon their unique circumstances, Bryant wrote. Four days later, on August 22nd, the court released the list of 30 curd licensees who melt the criteria to be exempt from the injunction, meaning the 440 licenses affected by the preliminary order were lowered to 410. Aurora Wood, CEO of the Highest Peak LLC, one of the 30 cord licenses to be exempt from the injunction, filed an affidavit to the court on August 18th outlining her equity interest in the dispensary she plans to open in Postdam, New York, about 15 minutes south of the Canadian border near nearest to Ottawa. After paying the $2,000 curd application fee, the highest peak received a provisional license in January 2023. And in a quote, she says, my business partners and I spent many hours researching the applicable OCM regulations and guidelines and identifying a suitable commercial real estate location. Wood wrote in an affidavit, we have also spent a very large amount of our personal savings totaling over $75,000 for business development and launch costs. Once she and her partners found a suitable commercial real estate location, they negotiated with the landlord and executed a commercial lease by which they are now bound, Wood said. In a quote, my partners and I have refocused our careers on opening this dispensary instead of our prior jobs as we anticipated opening in the near future, she wrote. Additionally, we have already extended 15 job offers to candidates, and many of them are relying on a timely opening of the dispensary for their next paycheck. Wood said she and her partners cannot recoup their investment until their dispensary opens and that her business may have to declare bankruptcy, not an easy task in the federally illegal cannabis space if retail operations do not uh, commence in a timely manner. Well, actually, you can't file bankruptcy. Uh, you would only go into receivership, and that is a whole nother can of worms. But nonetheless, Anthony Coraprosnio, who holds an equity interest in BCPS Enterprises LLC doing business as Highstone, also filed an affidavit with the court. Coraprosnio was among the first 36 approved CURD applicants in the first place back in November of 22, and was also among the 30 CURD licensees to be exempt from the current injunction. And anyways, this this article, it goes on and on and on for days, but I know you guys want to talk about it. It also lists all of the 30 licensees that did get the exemption from the from the judge. And so I just want to know what you guys all have to say about these 30 exemptees. And will these 30 exemptees even actually even get open now that they have this exemption? This is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News Hour. What do y'all think about this?
I am once again asking for your financial support. That was very adequate response right there, Rico. That made a lot of sense right you know, there. You know what? Um, it might be time for those uh, those uh, the ones that were cleared to open to sell that shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think when he said burn one, he didn't mean Bernie one. So I think you put the wrong soundtrack on there. I'm, I'm a little confused. I thought, I, thought, I, thought, I thought when they it's said burn finest. I thought they said Bernard Sanders. I thought when they said when they said burn one, I thought they were actually meaning they should burn it down and collect the insurance revenue. Because that's the only no, way they're going to get paid. You're in thinking this like one. a professional arson, and I love the way you you always are thinking about fire because you're a dispensary owner. But fire that's around. over the line. Um, <laughs> you know, you said that this was an adjudication at the beginning of your article. I don't know what education of Jewish people has anything to do with it, so I'm not sure I didn't what the say adjudication part is. I said adjudication. Um, big difference. Yeah, Jason been listening to Kanye. Yeah, just West be careful, man. Know. Don't get too ethnocentric in the in the news articles that you start picking and, and, and putting out here I because bet. there's a lot of other face too. Um, you know, the the, the thing is, is for me is that um, first of all, the people who get these licenses, these exemption, these thirty. Um, the good news is there's a barrier to entry to other people. They're going to get this first mover advantage. The bad news is good luck trying to get capital when you're creating all of these speed bumps that are going to create a lot of uh, ambivalence, reluctance, and fear on the part of investors who were previously really excited about the size of this market. Um, I just feel really, really sad for the people who have put in so much time and energy uncompensated to be positioned to take advantage of the beginning of adult use in New York. And it's like that Charlie Brown cartoon where they get ready to kick the football and then the other kid just takes the football away. Uh-uh. And so, you know, you, you, you know what? I mean, I know it, it sounds cliche at this point, but it's, it just keeps on sounding like they're running into the same exact issues that California did. The same exact issues. And they LA were supposed to be so much better. They were supposed to do it so much better. We're going to ro- do a perfect rollout, guys. Perfect rollout, they said. Right. Right. And, and, and back I'm to that previous that. article that we were talking about all of like 10 minutes ago where they talked about projecting a 24 doors per year opening. Mm-hmm. If they've opened 24 doors in the previous year, then your goal shouldn't be to replicate that success. It should be to double that success. If you do 24 doors year one, you do 50 doors year two, you do 100 doors year three. 24 doors is just glacial progress. I love how how they said how they said that that these these stores are are like the front line against the battling the illicit market in New York, and I was just like, these guys are get, just getting set it up for failure, just like throwing them out to the wolves to just like get eat chomped up at the bit, and like with no with no no uh, no no. Uh, no, like battling, uh, no, no battle gear or anything, no support. I mean, the governor Trap. goes in. Governor goes into the store and doesn't even buy anything. Doesn't even buy a T-shirt or a mug that says "I support this stuff." I mean, she how much? Up. Yeah, was up. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the truth is, just even using that kind of terminology and framing that like that is a terrible context. The front line against the battle of the illicit market. Yep. Like people who are regulated operators are not trying to be in a battle against unregulated operators. It, when we create enough incentives through the structure and program and regulations for people to tack towards the regulated market, then the regulated market wins. When we make it 
profitable to be a regulated operator, the regulated market wins. And so this notion that it's the regulated against the unregulated, pitting the operator that doesn't have a permit against the operator who does, that's a terrible way to increase the size of the regulated market. That context is terrible. I'm like back to the drawing board on that because that is not your enemy. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but that's how they want to do it because they want us fighting with one another. They want us all thinking that those people are the enemy because they don't have to pay the same taxes that we have to pay. And they want us fighting and reporting them and turning them in and doing all this, basically doing all the work that they're supposed to do for them is what they want us to do. Digital in America is against fentanyl, okay? And unregulated operators are a byproduct of demand. And so this whole notion of regulated against unregulated is the wrong way to encourage unregulated operators to step into the regulated marketplace. And if we can show them that it's profitable with less risk and that they can have something tangible versus something that's in the shadows, that's how the, that's how the regulated market wins, in my opinion. I'm with you. I think I think yeah I, I'm not sure why the the well on the positive side 30 stores beats their prediction already right didn't they predict 24 stores a year and now they're just no, they're no, saying no, no. 30 that, that, that's what they did that's what they did and they were saying that they were going to have the like most revolutionary market that they were going to be the beacon for for all regulatory bodies to 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 mimic off of what they did and da 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 da, da. and then they went and said that they were that they raised all this money for the fund to help social equity applicants and then they had no money in the fund and just literally dropped the ball and that's why only 24 stores have opened since dr Talleyrand. But they just approved another 30. Well, so hold on. Well, no, th these 30 are are of the result of a hardship from the from the lawsuit from the freeze mm -hmm. of the that the veterans filed to freeze all of the occurred applicants and their licenses. And, and, should they open it'll be 53, right? And, and the first thing you learn in an adjudication is that beacon is not an acceptable food either. So we need to take that into account. That beacon part. is the uh, meat version of ranch dressing, right? I thought Beacon was a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, we we got it. We got we got to keep it moving. Rico, you ready? You ready? We're gonna roll into Doctor T real quick. Let's do it. This OG cannabis doctor has been writing wrecks since your mother was looking for her wreck and your daddy was looking for his wreck. And you know what? He is the master of all things crossfade. <laughs> the wrecking crew. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the stage, because y'all know who it is, is the, the GOAT himself, Dr. Jean Talleyrand. Dr. T, what you got for us? Thank you, Rico. Happy. Uh, all right. Thanks, Rico. Happy Friday, everyone. So today I have three stories from three states, actually, well, two states and D.C., comparing medical to recreational cannabis. Uh, currently, 38 states have medical cannabis laws and 23 states have adult recreational laws. Whether smoking a joint to relax after a hard day of work or ingesting oil concentrates to stop seizures, consumers benefit from the health and wellness of using cannabis. Uh, the cannabis movement started with an idea that sick people should be allowed to use a relatively safe plant that relieves or cures their symptoms. Compassion, caregiving, and community were the hallmarks of the medical cannabis movement. But there were issues with access and consistency, so recreational or adult laws were also implemented. 
For the first story in Michigan, the headline is Medical Cannabis Pioneered Legal Weed in Michigan. Now it's withering away by Dustin Walsh from Crane's Grand Rapids business. In Michigan, medical cannabis sales are down 71% from one year ago and 86% from two years ago. The average cost of an ounce is down 52% over the last year to $102. While the medical market declines, Michigan's adult use market is hitting new heights, selling $270 million in July alone and expecting to surpass $3 billion this year, second only to California's market and way, way past New York. Anchor Runta, CEO of C3 Industries, a vertically integrated operation with 13 high-profile dispensaries, explains, for medical to really drive a comeback, there needs to be differentiation. It's the same product on both sides, medical or recreational. Runta believes that medical market won't revive until research is done on cannabis products. The second story is from Minnesota. The headline out of MinPost is, with legalization of recreational cannabis, what does that mean for medical cannabis in Minnesota? By Peter Callahan. Minnesota uh, patient Patrick McClellan is excited to be installing a hydroponic system to grow his own home cannabis. Home grow is a game changer for patients, says McClellan. With the passage of recreational laws, Minnesota medical patients have ended up with the best of both worlds. The recent recreational laws will improve access and possibly lower prices. Patients who've been going to two medical providers for the last nine years have been extremely limited, says McClellan. Rise, owned by Green Thumb Industries, and Green Goods, owned by Vareo Health, are the only two medical providers in Minnesota, with eight stores each throughout the state. The new recreational bill increases access. It's also intended to reduce this monopoly, but a lobbying effort by GTI and Vareo allowed them to maintain the vertical integration and to also sell to the recreational market. Our medical market is already pretty small, explained State Representative Zach Stevenson, we risk losing a medical industry altogether. And the third story is from the Washington Post, where the headline is, Learning the Highs and Lows of DC's Medical Cannabis Lingo by Cortland Malloy. The author's touring a DC dispensary called Anacostia Organics in the southeast of Washington. In DC, patients pay $30 to get a self-appointed medical cannabis card. This past July, neighboring Maryland passed a recreational law. According to owner Linda Mercado Green, people from DC began going to Maryland because they could, they could uh, buy cannabis, um, they, they could bypass, uh, buy cannabis with spending $30 for a medical card, which is illegal, although carrying cannabis across state lines is a federal offense. Referring to Maryland's law, Green says, it's kicking our butts, but we hope things will even out soon. So recreational cannabis has, effect, has affected medical cannabis in each state. The products are the same in both industries. There doesn't seem to be much distinction except for what laws and regulators make of it. Are we chasing an idea between recreation and medical that doesn't exist? The current distinction between recreation and medical cannabis doesn't make sense. 
What will we need? What we all need is cannabis education. What do you think? Is there a difference between recreation and the medical? Should access laws be different? This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand with Hyatt Nine News. Dr. T. Well, first of all, I'm willing to bet that the reason Michigan is putting up such high numbers right now is because they basically have all the Canadians fleeing from their country to be able to find better weed in, in Michigan. Cannabis refugees. Yeah, they're all cannabis refugees <laughs> to stop buying the booth that they can get delivered to their door in Canada and come down here and get some real weed from America. And because of the fact that they're Canadian citizens, they don't get as harassed as much at the border because they can't deny them entry into their own country. I mean, there is nothing wrong with coming here for a better life. And if that includes a better blunt, I understand the pain is real up there. All they got going for them is hockey and maple syrup. I feel bad for them. What about the Mounties? What about the Mounties? We love you, Canada. We love you, Canada. Yeah. Yes, Hayden. And then and then and then and then one other one other thing too, Dr. T, I don't know. We we don't have a lawyer on today, but I, I I'm tempted to say that uh that driving from DC into Maryland is not crossing a state line because DC is not a state. Interesting. Right? I think I think I think that's an interesting legal argument that could be made. I mean, I understand that that, yeah, that, that you, Maryland you has a state line. Huh? You can take the other side of it and say it's a it's a federal territory, right? And so it, everything's illegal there. I I, 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 I I I would be fine with that. I have no problem with that. That just means that the prices would go up and their market would improve. I think the critical well. difference between medical and recreational is that I'm a firm believer that if you're using cannabis for medicine in a, in a very deeply medicinal format, there should be no taxes on that. And so I think that that's the distinction for me. I mean, there are people who need high dosage products and if they're going to get taxed at the recreational rate, it becomes, you know, a barrier to entry and, mm-hmm. and, and, and an impediment for them to access. And so that's the place where I think it makes sense to bifurcate between medical and adult use. The challenge that I see is when these markets stand up in adult use and a medical, <laughs> They're not allowing crossfading of products. So like in New Jersey, if you have something that's, I think, adult use, and I might be misstating this, you can use it in the medical market. But if you've created something in the medical market, you can't use it in the adult use market. And so if we have the same uh, testing standards, I I don't see why a product couldn't go from one channel to the other. It's just a difference of taxation and who the the recipient is. It all all has to do with potency, with these potency guidelines and the essence of protecting the children and all this other BS, because the only difference in all these different states, so Colorado is a perfect example of this, that has medical-only products, right, along with a thriving adult-use market. And so they'll have like a little baby-baby section, and the only difference between any of the products in that medical section is that it's available and stronger dosages. That's the only difference. Well, you know, my 13-year-old can go into CVS and buy a bottle of aspirin, which, if taken in wrong doses, can be deadly. Um, So that's reality today, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I don't understand why they have these potency things for cannabis, which which is less dangerous. I than totally ag- I totally agree with you, Dr. Dr. T. I'm 100% with you on this. I think it's totally uh, a gross overreach of, of government, uh, a whole big uh, propagandist uh, proposal that's been put forward with this whole save the children thing. And I'm just I, I'm just totally against all of this. 
Speaking of yeah, post overreach, what kind of legend do you have to be to come on here and not just read one article, but read like three? You're like, I'm going to do my own amalgamation today. I'm going to pick and choose. I'm going three markets. I'm Dr. T. I can do that. I've been here for decades. I helped establish this space. Next week, it might be like seven articles. It might just be a whole mashup, like a DJ set, we'll just, we'll just mixing in, cross-fading news. We'll just have I'm Dr. just inspired. I got a single link to read, and it's like, whoa, I really need to level up. And there is only one. I'm not overstep my bounds. <laughs> there's 3,000 people. There's 3,000 people. More than 3,000 people die each year from aspirin. Mm-hmm. You can find mm-hmm. that. You can find that. I think. I think there's something to say um, about like where we are in the cannabis industry right now and the, the whole medical versus uh, quote unquote adult use or recreational. I think there's something to say about the, just like capitalism entering its way into the medical field overall, right? Like why are we uh, why are we uh, trying to put medicine into you know, uh, the, the sphere of adult use, uh, regardless. Yeah. Yes, it is medicine that you can take and you can enjoy, but at the end of the day, it's still medicine. Mm-hmm. It should be treated. Right. Better. And trying to separate them, I think pitted us against each other and, and hurt the industry on the whole, you know, who cares what your intentions are, as long as you're t- having access to it and it's safe. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And I totally agree. And on that, we got to we got to keep it moving. We got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2,600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yeah. Stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. It really helps us with our algorithm over there at YouTube. On top of make sure that you are subscribed to the channel if you have not subscribed already. Also, too, make sure you go over to our website, www.hyatt9news.com, where I was out here working real, real late last night, and we finally got all the bugs worked out with the emailer. So head on over there. Sign up for the newsletter. Put all your information in there. You will get a confirmation email in your inbox. You hit subscribe confirm your subscription and boom you will get our newsletter out that's going to go out this saturday so do us a favor do it check it out help us make sure that we are i I actually fixed the problem i'm pretty sure i did i put some money on it but nonetheless (laughs) rico you want to you want to go into yarrow rico i could do i mean let's do this let's do it let's do it we like to keep you quick on your feet rico all no, this backpedaling, yeah. you know what I'm saying? All this backpedaling, we like to keep you quick on your feet. You always expect the unexpected. I can actually walk these days. Uh-huh. Too. You might have to do it, man. I don't have the intro. I got, yeah, I queued up. I just feel so underappreciated right now. First, I was introduced as being from Florida. Now I'm just some rando who showed up in the production room early morning saying, "Put me on, put me on." Coming up next, it's Yarrow motherfucking Kubrick, generation cannabis cultivator from Northern California with legacy medical and regulated experience. Not as funny as he thinks, but still spicy like a burrito. Ready to bring you the next. Piece of news. And coming in All right. We'll practice that later offline, okay? And I'll give you some spicy little tidbits about myself. You know I like I like hiking, biking, water sports. I'm a Capricorn. My favorite flavor is mid-chip. 
I gotta tell everybody who think I, I, I'm not on my shit. Jason puts out a fucking script every single morning, and I read directly <laughs> from the damn script. So when I'm thrown off, you send me something else out there. I gotta either freestyle stuff, and if I don't have it right in front of me, I mess it up. I just, so I just, I just read, was I want, it up for Kubrin again, and let's just see how he withers on the vine. You know, the first the, time, the first time when I said, the first time when I said Sarasota, Florida. <laughs> I try my best not to mess up everybody's names. This is Jason's fault. Jason did not fix a goddamn thing. You're starting to sound like wretched now, Rico. Let's go. You're starting to sound like wretched now. When you say it's Jason's fault, I feel like you're being a conservative and blaming the other party. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let me kick it off, okay? If it bleeds, it leads. Okay. Here we go. Four officers on leave after killing an unarmed man outside Bay Area pot shop. Four California police officers have been placed on administrative leave after officers shot and killed an unarmed man outside of a Bay Area cannabis dispensary in the early morning hours on Friday, August 18th. The shooting occurred at 3.30 a.m. after officers responded to reports of a break-in at Velvet Cannabis, a retail pot shop in the Contra Costa County town of Martinez, according to the Martinez Police Department. Two cars at the scene attempted to leave, according to police. An altercation ensued, during which four officers fired their weapons, killing one person, police said. It's not clear how many shots were fired or which officers killed the person. The California Department of Justice announced that it has taken over the investigation of the shooting, as state law requires following any police killing of an unarmed armed person. Details surrounding the killing are otherwise sparse. Martinez Police Chief Andrew White said in a video released Saturday that one of the two cars at the scene struck an officer who was treated and released from the hospital. While implied in the video that the person killed by police was driving one of the videos, the law defines an unarmed civilian as one who is not in possession of a deadly weapon, White said. A vehicle, regardless of how it's used, is not included in the statute's definition of a deadly weapon. In accordance with Assembly Bill 1506, we notified DOJ and they took the lead as the investigating agency. Authorities have not released the name of the deceased person or the officers involved. Velvet Cannabis did not return a request for comment. White said officers were wearing body cameras and he expects the footage to be released within 45 days. Burglaries at California cannabis stores have escalated significantly in the past three years, with thieves often using vehicles to break into stores and then stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars in retail cannabis products. The Martinez Police Department declined to answer any questions about Friday's shooting and directed all questions to the state attorney's general's office. The office, the attorney general's office also declined to answer any questions regarding the shooting. The Martinez City Council said in a statement that the city has not had a police shooting in decades. The Martinez City Council is united in support of all our city police officers and staff, and our hearts go out to everyone in our community who has been impacted by this incident, the statement said. So, let me kick it off with a on the one hand and on the other hand. On the one hand, we have far too much violence in terms of how non-life-threatening calls are responded to and i certainly think that they're the culture of unaccountability uh in behind the thin blue line uh could be bolstered and um you know these are challenging times with the militarization of civilian law enforcement and on the other hand california dispensaries have been treated like a pinata for thieves for a very long time and that started actually in the beginning. Uh, uh, it became more pronounced in the beginning of COVID. There was a lot of civil arrest because of a lot of other things that were happening. And <clears throat> the truth is, 
the majority of the time that dispensaries are being robbed, the response is uh, underwhelming, not aggressive, and is not preserving the uh, the property rights of these dispensary owners. There's been a rash of robberies. We know that there are professionals. We can see that they go from market to market and county to county. They hit between 3 and 4 a.m., okay? And we've been complaining that law enforcement isn't treating this like another business or a same way, and they're not responding as aggressively. In fact, there was one robbery in Sonoma County this year where the police engaged in a low-speed pursuit of the robbers as they got away. The robbers ran out of gas on the Richmond Bridge and were able to call their friends for a pickup, get in another vehicle, and still get away. So think about how low speed that pursuit needs to be if the person you're chasing can run out of gas and still get away. So I'm grateful that law enforcement is treating this like another property crime and that they are responding. And I feel terrible for this deceased person's family. And another part of me thinks, play stupid games, get stupid prizes. What the heck are you thinking robbing dispensaries at 3.30 in the morning, knowing they have very robust security systems? And when the police arrive, that means your ass is caught. Not you try to drive away like some movie that you saw. Put your fucking hands up, take the hit, take the bid, do the time you did the crime, and try to preserve your life so that you can learn something from it. So I feel... Uh, very conflicted about this one. And I do think that it represents a broader issue for the industry. And I'm not sure that there's a simple solve. Yeah, I like your measured approach with that one, uh, Yaro. Um, I do believe that this all like, falls back on these are hard times, man. Uh, people wouldn't be uh, committing these crimes like this. And it all comes back to economic opportunity. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I'm going I'm to say this 90% of the time, and probably even more than that, if you're robbing a store, it's because you have an inside thing and there's an inside plan. Because the reality of it is that it's very difficult. Because you don't have to your own, though. No, no, no. But it's no economic slow, opportunity for them. Well, even, if they're I, in a, even if they are an insider, why would they be robbing it if they had money? Well, if they had opportunity? Well, I mean, because there is just some people that still have money and just want to steal shit. There's just, just randomly bad people. That's just, those, just those people deserve to be under the jail. Okay. Well, there's, there's a lot of economic forces behind the scenes that just don't make their way to certain people in certain communities. Okay. So but, they do fucked up like this. I mean, they don't measure. I do, I do agree all, with you all that, I'm that there, there's a crime lot can be a symptom of a lack of economic opportunity. But even with economic opportunity, it doesn't mean that there's zero property theft crime. And I also I think it's really unfair for police that if somebody's driving a vehicle, that's considered shooting an unarmed civilian because i do think that a vehicle can be used as a deadly weapon and and so i do think it's an unfair statistic to law enforcement to say that they shot an unarmed person if that person was driving a vehicle in a threatening or 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 manner and, and had already hit a law enforcement officer i mean it's like it, it makes the police look bad when in fact they're actually doing what we've been begging them to do which is to be more responsive around this rash of crimes well well, the thing, the thing, the thing about this, my, 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 my point, my, my point being with that is that um, you're you're not going to get a lot out of a dispensary, okay? Because the amount of time that it's going to take for you to actually like get in there, find the safe, and actually crack it, is not within the time, the threshold of when p criminals try to break in and steal stuff. That's just not. That's not not. And, a, the, and this one, did they say that they broke into the safe? Did they um 
So they took money from the safe? Well, it didn't this, indicate, this is, but given it. Beck's extensive cannabis retail experience, yeah, I'm no, going to defer to him. I think the majority, I would say even more than, than 90% that you said, Jason, the majority, of, like, if not all of them, if they get that far, like, yeah, it's an inside job. Uh, that's that, that, that's my whole point. My, my, my point being yeah. is that is that the only reason to, 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 to rob a retail store in cannabis is is either you're stupid or you're it's an inside job. It's one or the other. Or you're a professional thief and you know that no, law enforcement no, has no, traditionally no, been under responsive no, to no, this category no, of crime and no, you come between three and four because you do enough, it all the there's time. There's not enough stuff in a retail store to make it tangible to go and rob. I would way rather just ro go and rob distros. Jason, are you leaving a roadmap for these perpetrators to do a better job at at, at pillaging our industry? You, What's you, wrong with you? you? You asked me a question. I gave you an answer. Oh, my God. Stop it. Get some help. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. Jason, you got a second story for us today, man. I do. <laughs> I do have a second. It's totally second story for you guys. You guys are going to love this one. Oh, uh, yeah. You guys are going to love, 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 love this one. Hate um, it already. Yep. I bet. Maine oh, asked the DOJ to halt alleged illicit Chinese marijuana grows. That's right. Maine's congressional delegation on Thursday formally urged U.S. Department of Justice to shut down a suspected statewide ring of illegal marijuana grows that's allegedly connected to Chinese nationals. According to the Banger Daily News, U.S. Uh, Senator Susan Collins, a Republican, and Angus King, an independent, and Democratic Representative Charlie Pingree and Jared Golden asked U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland in a letter for federal law enforcement to further investigate the situation. The delegation's concern stems from a report last week by the Daily Caller News uh, Foundation that a July federal memo the organized organization obtained tallied at least 270 properties across Maine that could be, in quotes, used for Chinese illegal marijuana grow operations. The memo, which was circulated within the U.S. Border Patrol before it was leaked to the media, according to the Daily Caller, estimated that the alleged illicit grows could generate as much as $4 billion with a B in revenue. That's then reinvested into other criminal enterprises or sent to China. The illegal growing operations are detrimental to Maine's businesses that comply with state laws, and we urge the Department of Justice to just shut them down, the lawmakers wrote, according to the Daily News. According to the Daily News, the letter also asked Garland to disclose who produced the memo, when, uh, when was the information in, in it first obtained, and what actions has the government taken in response to it. Only, only, uh, only scant details have been made available about the alleged situation in Maine since the appearance of the memo, and the memo did not identify the suspect, the supposedly Chinese connection parcels or the extent to which the operations might connect to the Chinese government or organized crime networks. Authorities across the United States have been investigating the involvement of Chinese nationals or Americans of Chinese descent in illegal cannabis operations, and in Oklahoma, authorities say they've shut down hundreds of illegal grow sites linked to Chinese investors and Chinese organized crime a spokesperson for the state's bureau of narcotics told politico well 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 maine has 
a big, big problem out there, according to all these federally elected officials. What do you guys have to say about this? I think it's a big question mark. You know, it's, it's open for an investigation, but it's, it's a big question mark here because there's a lot of anti-Chinese propaganda going on in the country right now, number one. Number two, this is coming from the Daily Caller. 273 The Daily Caller is a extreme right-wing publication that, that, that put out this, this said report. But um, if, if there's if there's numbers out there, you got law enforcement, regardless of their affiliation, you got to investigate it. So investigate it and we'll see when it all comes out. But there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of there's a lot of fog of war going on right here. And I say we just wait this shit out before we just go off popping off saying like, oh, there's a bunch of Chinese uh, uh, infiltrators in the system doing shit uh, more than the Mexican cartels are doing, doing shit more than the trap was already doing. Like it's bad. Like, st- don't get me wrong, it's bad, but it's like popping off and the people that is coming from, it's the same like mockingbird parrot shit that we're hearing from that side of the political spectrum. I mean, there's no question that organized crime has benefited and continues to benefit from unregulated cannabis production as a source right. of revenue, right? The thing for me is, look, I don't even feed my pet food that was made in China, okay? So made in China is different than made by Chinese people. I bet that shit is bomb. I bet they got a proprietary strain called MSG. I bet it is amazing. I've been been saying this to people that they should totally come out with a strain called MSG. I've been telling people this. And and I'm glad you you brought up MSG because if you look at MSG, that was government propaganda against the Chinese too. It does feel feel like it's it's got a racial undertone. It's kind of like baiting, like, oh, the Chinese, like, if if they can track it back to the Chinese government, then by all means, let's do more than shoot down the next weather balloon. But if they can't, it really reminds me of, like, what was done to the Japanese in World War II and the disproportionate treatment between German-American citizens and Japanese-American citizens. So there's no question that organized crime has benefited from illicit cultivation. But let's make sure that we are being even and metered in the way that we approach that issue and not just highlighting one yeah. uh nationality that just kind of feels it just i don't know it just doesn't feel right to me and for all the msg haters out there you've been eating doritos for years you've been you've been chowing down on all kinds of msg because that's what makes doritos delicious that umami taste you sure it's not mtg think about it vice president pick <laughs> no way carrie lake's way more closer than that the other run, thing is, you know, let's quick. let's talk about Susan Collins for a second, right? Let's make it political and keep it spicy, right? That the worst thing about that lady is her masquerading as a moderate Republican, and we have her to thank for selling out the Supreme Court. And I think she is far from good, and uh, and 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 so I just I, I doubt her commitment to a more equitable future for America. I don't know. I met I met with Susan Collins. I've had a few conversations with her. Um, well, then tell her I said that and see what she says. I, I, I'm not going to tell her you said that. I tell her a lot of other things that actually go a lot further than being saying things like that. Yes. <laughs> All right. I'm going to yeah. go through roll, quickly with this last one here. All right. So this one's coming uh, from the Ohio Capitol Journal. Uh, Ohio Republicans are split on marijuana legalization and could repeal their proposal <laughs> the day after it passes. <laughs> Dude, this is this is like more of the this same. Is so like, good. This is so good right here. 
how Republicans are divided on on an effort to legalize marijuana for recreational use in the state just because they belong to the same party does not mean <laughs> this is more Republicans uh, does not mean they have to agree on everything, which is exactly what is happening right now with weed. Recreational marijuana may become legal this November, and many Ohio Republicans are not happy about it. Jason. <laughs> Governor Mike DeWine said it would be a mistake. He has always been anti-recreational weed. He opposes the ballot issue and would uh, legalize uh, cannabis for adults 21 and up. If passed, Ohioans could also grow up to six uh, plants. In addition, the proposal would impose a 10% tax on the point of sale for each transaction. Uh, and the product has been developed and its potency is significantly higher than it was years ago, DeWine said. This is a go-to go line here. This is not your daddy's weed. <laughs> It is. Um, uh, it's, oh, and look at the next line on there. It's not your grandfather's marijuana. I mean, I can't wait to hear what Dr. Talleyrand has to say about this. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to stop it here. This is more Republican infighting. And it looks like, you know, um, the ones that are pushing forward the law are are against they're directly being opposed by the ones that are against it. And uh, it looks like DeWine is going to win here because um, he is the governor. He's just going to veto this shit. But uh, well, well, actually, what do you think about this? Jack? Actually, your boys. Well, well, here, 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 here's the first thing is, is if the gov if, if, if the people vote for this, okay. If the people, if this is something that is going to get passed um, mm -hmm. by a, a vote of the people, the governor should have not have any right to be able to veto that. But I believe, but I believe this is is getting passed through the legislature, and he's like, I'm just not going to sign it if if you guys pass this through. It sounds like Christy Nome, right? I mean, what problem are they trying to solve here? Are they are they they want to increase access? Is that the issue? I, I mean, I think that that's the it's the same thing over and over again. What's the distinction between medical and recreational if you break it down it's hard yeah. to tell what exactly. the difference is exactly there there, there 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 is no real difference because the commerce is all happening the same thing whether you're selling medical or adult use or whatever you want to be selling is all the same type of action as far as commerce being commenced in whatever location that's happening in it's all the same thing dr t you're exactly right um, well, what's going to happen in Ohio, man? I don't know. This is your is favorite Nick, thing. This is your favorite kind of thing right here. On the phone. This is your favorite kind Somebody of thing right here. Elephant, elephant fights. This is like your favorite kind of fights right here, Rico. I can't believe you just, you don't want more popcorn on this. I said, I, I'm just saying, what, what's going to happen? Are they going to go forward? Do you think that they're going to go forward? I think, I think that. The, I, I love, I love to see Republicans fighting. I think the governor, so I think the governor is just probably posturing for his base and, and ultimately he'll make some type of concession. Um, like, Hey, you know, move this number from four to, to three and, and I can work with it. There'll be some kind of, some kind of trade-off, but ultimately this will get passed. That's my prediction. Well, let let's re let's look at the facts the facts are that every state that's introduced recreational except for maybe uh minnesota has regretted it right so um you know here we go oh hey you know you you're you're onto something there dr t that that could be a very uh good argument that the governor could be using against the legislature in this whole conversation you know he's like oh what a mess do we want california and new york's problems Who's, who's going to pay for it? Exactly. What MSO is going to come out and pay to take mm -hmm. over my state and mm -hmm. run it right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Follow, follow the money. Who, who's in Ohio? Is it Vareo? Is it is it uh, who, who's that? Who are the MSOs that own Ohio? Let's check it out. Oh, here we go. Good old Google. 
Ohio was good to me. We ran it opening up retail locations there. And with the company that I was previously director of real estate, we secured 15% of the locations that were awarded dispensaries. So, And what company I see was these, that? What company was I that, Yarrow? Candef. And, 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 you know, and, 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 and so, you know, my, my son would show me these occasionally disparaging Ohio memes. And I was like the Kubrin family ate because Ohio opened up and it was an exciting opportunity. I'm, I'm bullish on that market. I think, I think there's upside there. I think that, yeah, increasing access, locations, the ability to do mergers and acquisitions after that year, um, you know, they, they don't let you sell your business for for a year there um, and, and increasing medical to adult use. Like I'm I'm bullish on Ohio. I think it's I think it's actually kind of a cool. Market. They, they also they also G don't let you buy GTI, Cresco. Yeah. GTI, Cresco and True Leave are the top three. Mm -hmm. you know, you know, I, they also don't let you I'll buy Ace there. You know that, Yarrow? They don't let you buy Ace. You Sounds. have to buy tenths. How do you well, feel that? How, how, how do you feel that as being like a greeny environmentalist kind of guy, and the fact that they're producing all this extra packaging in Ohio that's just wasteful um, because they, they won't let them like? sell eighths? Is that like a, a nug and a half? I mean, I don't want to start a metric or uh, or a you know uh, uh, like a, I mean. Don't buy Ace. Buy bigger package. Buy bigger sizes. Like let's upsell all consumers so we can save the sea turtles and 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 avoid more plastic in the landfill. I'm I I don't have an opinion. Uh, just a poorly crafted joke. Uh, but I do like that state, and I do think that uh, there's upside there for for patients, for operators, for a total addressable market. And and Ohio was a really really exciting place to help plant flags and 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 establish. Uh, retail locations across that state. We had great counsel there. I met some really nice people from that state. I'm not mad at it. So just like just like those old Wendy's uh, uh, ads, like where's the beef? I can see Michigan popping up a bunch of border uh, billboards in Ohio saying, "Where's the weed?" Hold on <laughs> a second. On hold, hold on a second. Hold on a second, Rico. Nick just threw in the yep. chat. Hold on a second. I guess this tenth thing is, might be trending because he's saying that Vegas might end up going to tenths. Because if you buy at a dispensary and go to their lounge, you can't leave with unused product, they're saying. Hmm. So Dude, then they're going to go to the tent. Back in the day, man. Oh, man. I'll tell you they what. Long, I'll tell you what. If if, 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 if if Nevada went to tents, I would come out with a brand and I would call it 510 and it would only be five. It would only be half ounces. Half five, zips. five, one, oh, yep, yep, five, ten. Well, I, five, I recently tens. read an interesting little write up by Sarah Stewart, who I think is arguably one of the you know experts in consumption lounges on on LinkedIn, and she was talking about like what is the right size for a dab application for a consumption lounge in Nevada, where that consumer, customer, patient isn't going to be able to walk away with the remainder of that concentrate. And so I do think there is something to be said for right sizing packaging that is purpose built for consumption lounge uh, enjoyment where we don't want to waste cannabis, right? And 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 so how we get there with the least amount of packaging while still maintaining all the compliance and childproofing and yada, 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 I'm not sure. But I think it does make sense to not be throwing out a lot of leftover cannabis merely because you can't walk away from a store or a lounge without it. I don't understand how they would even be able to enforce that in the first place. Okay, how are you going to know if someone puts their puts their whatever in their pocket or whatnot? Or yes, you know what I mean? Style pat this down is, at the door. Yeah, that's the stupid. Get out of here with that. Are they going to have oh, a man, weed so detector at the door? It's going to start going off if you leave a weed in your pocket. 
Yeah, I don't understand what the benefit is of restricting people from walking out with the remainder. That doesn't make sense. Well, their their whole thing is preventing diversion. The benefit is all that extra miscellaneous leftovers is being diverted to the Chinese mafia over there in Susan Collins state and being sold back to the Chinese government and funding the next weather balloon that's flying over my municipality. It all connects. You just got to see the Exactly. If you don't smoke it, we will yoke it. Oh, that was good, you guys. We're at the top of the hour, everybody. It's been a great week. Thank you all. Um, Much love on uh, on everybody giving us props for our 100th episode, too, man. It's not Uh, 100th episode, one-year anniversary. Our one-year anniversary. I apologize. Yes. The one year anniversary and everything. It's been a it's been a fun week, everybody. Appreciate the love. And uh thank you guys for joining us every single morning for High at Nine News, high at nine on the West Coast, and of course, high noon on the East Coast. You can catch us every single day. But big shout out to the super fans showing love, giving their comments and up live on the big screen to our live audience members and online supporters catching us across all media uh platforms every single day to our vetted correspondent team from tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of their perspectives every single morning to our production team, cloud media partners, house of fuego, all our sponsors, keeping the lights on AV struggles to a minimum. And I got my mic back. I'm feeling good. And I'm feeling strong today, Jason. And of course, lovely Zsa Simone. You coming out out this week, Zsa? You coming out to LA? Here we go. Coming out. I don't know. Yeah, you got to come kick it with us. And as always, Cannabis TV, all the reason we show up and read these stories every single day. It has been Friday, August 25th, National Kiss and Hug, Kiss and Makeup Day. Go kiss and makeup with my wife today, man. I hope y'all do the same. Show's over. Hope you've all been blessed with the top industry headlines. Hope was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until Monday. I'm Rico Meet, the dopest dad on the street. Yaro Kubrin, Sebastopol Saint. Hey, I have a quick question for you, Rico, as you outro us. If today is kiss and makeup day, is 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 Saturday like makeup sex day? <laughs> I mean, I only kiss if I'm uh, having sex, you know what I'm saying? I, don't... I mean, I'm just kind of wondering, like, if they're going to memorialize the kiss and make up thing, like, typically after that, there's some Congress that occurs. And I'm just wondering, what day is that on? Because I need to put that on my calendar. I think we need to have a fight and break up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, guys are, you guys are ridiculous. You guys are so ridiculous. Break up sex or make up sex? Which is better? All of the above. You know that's yeah. a trick question. Yeah, that's a trick question, bro. Yeah, are you gonna you gonna get hey. is that is it your outro? Is that what you can leave us with? You know hey, I'm just gonna yeah, say, look, uh, on our one year anniversary, I'm super excited to be able to do my best to fail in proxying for Omar as he runs for elected office here in my county. And really excited to join such a talented team in a more pronounced way. Dr. T is obviously a legend in this space. And y'all are just going to have to go through weekend withdrawals because our next episode won't be until Monday. So if you need to go back and get your high at nine re-up over the weekend, look at some of our previous episodes. Re- you know, Just kind of reacclimate yourself and tune in next Monday, 9 a.m., high at nine.